0: Thank you very much, and happy Easter, everybody. Trust you're enjoying uh, the weekend. haven't eaten too much chocolate? I've stayed off the Easter eggs, but my confession is I've eaten three hot cross buns stuffed full of Belgian chocolate and fudge. Quite amazing. Quite amazing. I don't know whether you've got time planned off. The way I like to plan holidays or short breaks, I like to find out... Uh, the experiences of other people, I like to check out what other people have said about where we're planning to go. My favorite source, um, rely on it every time, is TripAdvisor. And uh, some great helpful comments there in TripAdvisor. Occasionally, uh, you'll come across some really silly comments too. How many of you like to hear a few silly comments from TripAdvisor? Well, I'm going to read them to you anyway. <laughs> Here's a few. First one, on my holiday to Goa in India, I was disgusted to find out that almost every restaurant served curry. (laughs) I don't like spicy food at all. Well, don't go to India, then. Uh, It's so lazy of the local shopkeepers to close in the afternoon. I often needed to buy things during siesta time. This should be banned. The beach was too sandy. No one told us there'd be fish in the sea. The children were startled. I think this is my favorite. It took us nine hours to fly from Jamaica to England. It only took the Americans three hours. (laughs) Think about it. Brits abroad, don't you just love them? So many silly uh, comments, but I found TripAdvisor really helpful. If I find one comment, but particularly two or three, that basically say something like, it was like paradise best hotel on the island, I'm going to give that particular destination, obviously if I can afford it, serious consideration. In fact, I've changed our whole holiday plans based on other people's first-hand recommendation. Just imagine with me for a moment that you're planning to go somewhere, and you click on TripAdvisor, and two billion people have made a comment. Two billion. Two billion. And almost all of them are saying essentially the same thing. You've got to check this out. This is the best destination ever. Would you at least consider it? Tell you what I'd do, I'd be on the first plane out, particularly if I found out that in bold it said across, um, by the way, and it's all fully paid for. (laughs) Well, I've got even better news for you than that this Easter. Across this planet, Today, over 2 billion people are celebrating the events of the first Easter. Many more have done so throughout history. And they're all essentially saying the same thing in their own way and in their own words. Knowing Jesus Christ and what he did through the cross and by the power of his resurrection has somehow changed their lives. And they're all saying, you've got to check this out. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how somehow the events of the first Easter 2,000 years ago can totally change our lives today. Many places I could go in what we know as the Bible, but one of the best summaries of the Christian life is found in the writings of Peter. We saw Peter portrayed early in our presentation and how through an encounter with Jesus Christ, his life was completely turned around But later in his life, he wrote two letters. You can find them in the New Testament. You can check them afterwards, called 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And in his first letter, in chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, he gives us a wonderful, simple, but very comprehensive overview of the new life that every one of us can experience through Jesus Christ. It's a new life that covers our past, our future and our present. And I want to briefly just look at those three dimensions of the Christian life. The first thing is the Christian life promises us something glorious about our past. It promises to every single one of us a fresh start, a fresh start or a new beginning. It's no coincidence that Easter is at springtime, like after the deadness of winter, everywhere we look, there's new life. There's a sense of freshness. It's a time for new beginnings. One of my favorite walks is around Rutland Water. I was there um, a short while ago, and the sun was shining. It was glistening on the water. Blossoms were on the trees. The bluebells were out. There were even lambs frolicking around. Everything spoke of freshness, of newness, of life. Wonderful what's happening in creation. But Easter has even better news than that. It's that you and I can enjoy springtime, fresh start, new beginnings in our own lives. Listen to how Peter puts it in chapter 1 of his first letter. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he's really excited about this. He says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth." into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In other words, something about what happened to Jesus when he was raised from the dead can affect yours and my life today. And he particularly there talks about new birth, or in some translations it talks about being born again. Now, you've probably heard that phrase. It's a phrase that's come into our popular culture. I was watching a certain sports match recently, just happened to be a Manchester City match. Had to get that in somewhere. (laughs) And I was watching this particular game, and there was a player called Fabian Delph, who let's just say he's not had a good season. He'd been injured a bit, he's come on over the season, and when he's come on and played, he's not done well. But what was remarkable about this match and then the following game was he started to play really well. He scored a cracker of a goal. Would you like me to play it for you? No, it's okay. He scored a a great goal, and I was reading the report afterwards, and this is what the sports writer, describing him, he talked about the born-again Fabian Delph. In other words, here's a guy who wasn't doing so well, suddenly he's playing really well. It's like the writer's simply trying to tell us he had a bit of a comeback. But when Peter, and earlier in the Gospels, Jesus first used this term, born again, it was something far more than a comeback. Something more than, well, you're not doing so well now, you're doing a bit better. It was something far more glorious and transformation. To use the term new birth talks about a brand new beginning that starts spiritually on the inside of us. It's as dramatic and transformational as being born again. It really is wonderful. The question is, why would anyone need to be born again? Let me try and use a, an illustration. How many of you have ever done a spring clean? You've done a spring clean. Put your hands up. How do of you, like me, have never done a full spring clean, but you've benefited from one? Come on, be honest. <laughs> or maybe you've just done your study or a little room like I have. Anyway, let me try and sound like an expert on spring cleaning. I love it when all the dirt comes out, the cobwebs go away. The the windows are open, the spring sunshine comes in, letting out stale air, bringing fresh air in. There's something, isn't there, about a spring clean. House feels good, smells good. But there's something that every single one of us needs. At some time in our lives, we need the message of Easter, the power of the risen Jesus to come into our lives and give us an inside-out spring clean. You see, through life, sometimes through things that we've done in our own lives, sometimes it's things that circumstance and other people have done to us, we can build up a sense of regret, a sense of guilt, a sense of shame, a sense of hurt, a sense of pain. And the wonder of Easter is that because Jesus Christ died on the cross once and for all to pay the price forever for us to be forgiven and free. And because he rose from the dead and is alive and has the power right now, right here, he can come into our lives and change us and give us a new beginning and a fresh start. It's absolutely glorious. And it's available for every single one of us. I remember I became a Christian. I invited this risen Jesus by the power of his spirit into my life It was just before Easter, 1983. That dates me, Easter, 1983. It was was springtime. And as I invited Jesus to come into my life, it literally felt like I was being cleansed from the inside out. But even more than that, I was aware that I was coming into a relationship with God as my perfect heavenly father and God was doing a miracle on the inside of me. Uh, Paul, uh, another writer of the New Testament, puts it this way. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone becomes a Christian, he he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I heard somebody describe it like this. When we become a Christian, we become a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. God does a glorious work of transforming us and reforming us into the, the person and gives us a destiny that is unique to us. God comes to give us a new start, a fresh start. And when we uh, baptize people later in the service, across this weekend here in Kingsgate, Peterborough, we're baptizing 43 people. Isn't that fantastic? Absolutely wonderful. And we're here in this service, and we're going to baptize 16 people in a short while. And as you see them baptized, maybe the first time you've ever seen a baptism, basically these people are going to come in, they're going to go down into this little pool, they're going to be plunged under the water and left there for a moment, (laughs) symbolic that something's happened to them, their old life has been, um, is dead and buried, all the guilt, the shame, the hurt is being washed away, and they come up dripping wet, free, fresh with resurrection life, it's a glorious picture, and it's not just for them, it's something for every single one of us, Jesus has come to give us a fresh start. But the Christian life is not just about God coming to do something for the start of our spiritual journey, to give us a fresh start. He also comes to give us great promise for the future. I don't even remember what I just read there. He talked about we've been born again into a, and this is the second point, a living hope. A living hope. Something that is sure that relates to the future. I don't know whether you've ever had hopes or dreams. Maybe you were hoping for a special occasion and you you were building your expectations on what an amazing occasion it would be. Or it was indeed a dream holiday that you have been planning for. Or maybe it was a season of life and you thought, when I get to this school or when I get to university or when this relationship happens or when I get my amazing retirement, you get to that point in life, you get to that occasion... And it might be okay, but it doesn't quite meet your hopes. Life can be a little bit like that, can't it? There's something in us that longs for something better, but sometimes it can leave us a little bit empty. I want you just to watch for a minute on a kind of slightly tongue-in-cheek take on the journey of life. Please watch this. (laughs) You know, we all have different life experiences, but three things we all have in common. We're born, we live, and we die. The question is, what if there were more to life than this? And in particular, wouldn't it be wonderful if death wasn't the end? The great news of Easter Is that because 2,000 years ago, Jesus, who was clinically, medically dead, laid in a tomb, came alive by the power of God, as we sing and we sung earlier on, because God robbed the grave, because one man rose from the dead, if you like, in the middle of history, when he comes back, there's a promise that every single person who's been born again, who's put their trust in him, will also be raised, and they will enjoy a living hope for all eternity. It's the great hope of Christianity. Peter knows this, you see. He himself was somebody who knew that Jesus was dead. He went to that tomb on Easter Sunday morning, and instead of finding the body there, the body was gone. And then he, along with over 500 eyewitnesses, at some stage over the next six weeks after Easter Sunday, witnessed Jesus physically alive from the dead. Not not in a dream, a vision, not a ghost, but the real Jesus. Someone who could be touched, someone who had relationship with them, somebody who was eating and cooking fish. And it's something of a foretaste of if this has happened for Jesus Christ, Peter says, therefore, everyone who puts their trust in him has a living hope. And he goes on in verse 4 and says that we have been called into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Nothing can destroy or spoil that inheritance. Recession can't, inflation can't, wars can't. This is an inheritance that is kept safe for every single person who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. Talking of inheritance, if you knew tomorrow you were about to get a massive inheritance, what would you do with it? I know what many people would do, at least with part of it, they'd go on their dream holiday, you know, world cruise, or they'd go and find their paradise island. The only problem with finding a paradise island is when we get there, we're still there. Think about it. See, if I go to paradise island, I've still got me. Not yet perfect. And as much as we might think, well, I... I I just could, everything would be right if I got to this perfect state of life. Can I say paradise doesn't exist in this life? All around us, we can hear on the news and we can't shut ourselves away from this. There is massive poverty and injustice and wars and rumors of wars. Paradise doesn't exist in this life. But the promise of Easter is that beyond this life, When Jesus comes back, we really will enjoy paradise, heaven, on earth. We really will have new bodies that are never going to get sick, tired, never going to age, praise God, and never going to die. Imagine then living in this new, glorious, perfect world where there's going to be no sickness, no suffering, no prisons, no hospitals, no cemeteries. There's going to be no injustice. There's going to be no wars. There's going to be harmony. There's going to be what the Bible calls shalom. And we're going to be with God and we're going to be with people we know for all eternity. This is the promise, the real promise, the sure hope, the living hope that Jesus offers us through Easter. Hard sometimes to get our minds around this. C.S. Lewis, um, great um, writer and a Christian apologist in the 20th century wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He had a way of trying to describe these big concepts in in ideas that we could understand. And he uses a couple of metaphors. He says, um, having eternal life is a little bit like this. When you die and you're raised to life, it's a bit like this. The term is over, the holidays have begun. And he continues, death, far from being the end, is like the beginning of, Of the real story, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. What a glorious, what a living hope. Christianity comes, Jesus comes to offer us a fresh start, deals with our past, comes to offer us a living hope and a great inheritance, relates to our future. But it doesn't end there. He also comes to us in the present, He comes to offer us the greatest help along life's journey. As somebody once said, Christianity is not an escapist faith. It's not just pie in the sky when you die. It's steak on the plate while you wait. (laughs) In other words, Jesus Christ wants to come and he wants to transform our now. He wants to help you in your relationships, in your marriage, if you're married, with your with your children, with your parents, in your job. He wants to come and help you and equip you, become all that God designed and created you to be. He wants to come alongside you as a companion in life and to help you and to protect you. Listen to this in verse 5 of 1 Peter 1. Peter puts it this way, um, that the Holy Spirit, God, wants to come alongside us. And it talks about how we will be those who through faith are shielded by God's power. The idea of God as an all-powerful protector and helper in and through life's journey. You know, life can be wonderful. It can be fun. It can be exhilarating. And life can also be tough. And life can be challenging. And sometimes we can stumble. And sometimes we can even fall. One of uh, my favorite illustrations of of this is there's a British athlete called Derek Redmond in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. He was running the 400 meters when this happened. In case you were wondering, the guy coming alongside, of course, was his father. And I don't show that because you or I are about to run Olympics. I'm about to do part of the West Highland Way in a couple of months, but I'm not up for the Olympics. But we are all involved in the journey of life, the race of life. And on life's journey, there are times when we can all stumble, either because of stuff we've done. We mess up. A bit like Peter in our presentation earlier. He messed up big time. He denied Jesus Christ three times. And he thought, am I ever going to get back? And the good news, of course, Jesus came to him and forgave him and restored him, set him free and set him on what was one of the most influential lives in history. But sometimes it's, other thing, other people have done stuff to us, or circumstances, and we feel like we stumble, we fall. Some of you even feel like, I, I, I'm almost out of the race of life. Well, I've got good news for you. There is a father a perfect heavenly Father who's all-powerful and all-loving. And because Jesus Christ is alive and he died on the cross, that we can come and have a relationship with God the Father. And we can have his presence, his very Holy Spirit. We can know a God who comes alongside us to help us. He can pick us up when we've fallen. He can help us when, we're, when we stumble. He can give us comfort when we mourn, strength when we are weak, guidance when we're confused. And even when life's good and everything seems fine, he comes and brings peace and purpose and perspective. He really is the greatest help available to every single person if only we'll put our trust in him. And this is, yeah, come on, let's thank him. This is such great news that over the next four weeks, we're going to be unpacking something of what it means to have God in our lives in this way, in our present day experience helping us. It's that series we're entitling 23, based on Psalm 23. And I really hope you'll be with us and can join us for that journey.